Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here you go. Here you go. Floored. That's the nothing personal word of the day. It is Monday, January 15th, 2024. And we are coming to you live on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. Don't know why anyone would take a day off today after everything that went on this weekend. And we're going to get right into it because we are completely oversubscribed in the things I want to get to. Packers, Cowboys, Leeds, Florida is the word of the day because that's the word Jerry Jones. The 81-year-old owner of the Dallas Cowboys was interviewed after their lost to the Green Bay Packers. The final score, it's one of those NBA games where the final score is 125 to 112. Hey, that seems like a game, except it was really, they were up 30 the whole time and then in garbage time, you know, 10 points were scored. Sometimes even a backdoor ridiculous cover by an underdog. Obviously not in this case as the Packers were the underdog, but the game was not a 48 to 32 game. The Packers started playing prevent defense the last six minutes or so and the Cowboys scored a bunch of touchdowns so Jerry Jones gets interviewed and there was a lot going on during the game of course they're showing Jones like he's Taylor Swift the broadcast is is he gonna fire Mike McCarthy right now I'm shooting out tweets he's getting ready to talk to Bill Belichick everything's happening and then they get him after the game and he just looks into the camera. He's surrounded by a scrum of people. And remember, he's the owner of the team. Remember, he's the general manager of the team. It's time for my quick one-minute side note here. I have the most respect for Jerry Jones as an owner, as any owner in sports. Not because he built the most valuable franchise in sports. Oh, that's not terrible. He's not a meddling owner. For all of the people who call him that, you're incorrect. Meddling owners are owners who get involved in the operation of their team and they do it from the shadows. They do it on phone, via text, sometimes even in person. Jerry Jones named himself the general manager of his team. Good for him not a meddling owner. He acknowledges that he wants to run the show. Now, what's funny is if he were an actual GM, not related to the owner, and they're related in the most intimate of ways, he would be fired as the GM decades ago, but just certainly recently, as the Cowboys have not been to an NFC championship game since 1995. That is a drought of, wait for it, 29 years hasn't been to a championship game great success in the 90s back before some of you were born like 40 percent of you were not born jerry jones 
was actually extremely successful. And he was the GM then too, as owner and GM. Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, etc., has rings. The thing is when owners get rings early, they get the feeling they're gonna keep getting them because what they did to get the ring in the first place, they'll try again, do again. I did that, I got a ring in my third season, fourth season, figured that's, that'll be easy. Keep signing players like Pudge and we'll keep getting rings. Keep trading for players like Urbina and we'll keep getting rings and Conine. Tried it year after year, never did it again. Jerry Jones doing the same thing. But at least I was able to fire GMs and fire managers. All Jerry Jones can do is fire coaches. So the thought is, because he'll never fire himself, is that McCarthy is not gonna make it. Even before the game, there was this pressure on Mike McCarthy that if he did not have a good season, a good postseason, that his job would be in trouble. So the game ends and you start hearing the stats. The Cowboys are the first team to have three 12 win seasons in a row and not even play in a championship game. You hear the stat that the Packers have more wins at AT&T Stadium than the Cowboys do, which is mind boggling. AT&T Stadium prints money, prints money as an entity. And the Cowboys have fewer playoff wins there, they've won only, than the Green Bay Packers. He's watching a Green Bay Packer team led by Jordan Love. I don't wanna to get to Jordan Love yet, I'm too excited to talk about him and Aaron Rodgers. So I wanna go back to Jerry Jones. So he's in a scrum and he's asked about what, 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 what now? Because everyone's expecting him to fire McCarthy today and hire Bill Belichick. And he says, which is really quite staggering. I'm still playing hurt today, folks, bear with me. I tested negative for COVID, though I don't think I stuck it far enough up and it, the test did expire in 2021. I don't know if those things do expire, but it had an expiration date on. I throw out milk, but not COVID tests. Anyway, he said, and I quote, I haven't thought one second about Mike McCarthy's future. So a little insight into how owners and GMs watch games and even team presidents. You're sitting there watching a playoff game and you're evaluating everything. You're evaluating the concessionaire. You're evaluating the parking situation, the line at the food, at the merch shop. You're evaluating your on-field talent. You're evaluating your coaches. You're evaluating your scouts. You're evaluating everything always. That's what leaders do. And when you're in the middle of a situation where you are losing a game that you expected to win. That doesn't mean you never pondered what it would be to lose the game that you expected to win. You prepare for that. When you run a team, you think of all scenarios. You think about, all right, we're gonna beat the Packers. When we beat the Packers, my guess is we're gonna end up playing on, a, on Saturday instead of Sunday. So here's what I'm thinking about in terms of travel and game plan and we're, we're, we're ready to move on to the divisional round. If we lose to the Packers, I therefore can have plans next weekend that I was supposed to have because I'm gonna be available and I'm gonna do meetings on Monday that are exit meetings and I'm gonna have to fire my coach. Of course you're thinking about that. When you think about a loss, you don't just think about a 48 to 32 loss because that does cross your mind. And Jerry Jones said it never even occurred to him that they could have a game like that. Of course it does. You think about a, a loss that is a referee mistake. 
the refs steal the game. You think about a freak play that causes a loss. You think about outplaying the other team but still losing and the impact that would have on your coaching decision. You think about a freak play that gives you the win. Does that change your view of the coach? And that's the one when you say, hey, if we win the Super Bowl, I got to bring the guy back. But short of that, even though we got here, it was freak by freak by freak by freak, and we want to move on. The point being, of course he's thought about it. Because as a GM, that's your job. And I'd like to think that Jerry Jones does his job. The owner, when interviewed, said that it's as bad a loss as he can remember, which is funny when you're an octogenarian because my guess is that you generally don't remember recent losses. You remember things much further back. So he has a long list of things that he could draw from with his fading memory. Worst loss of all time. He was floored. Then we got into some details about other ramifications of this loss. Someone said that Dan Quinn won't be hired away to be the Seattle head coach. I think Coco was talking to me about this when we were prepping the show for today. He was interviewing or a favorite to be the new coach in Seattle. But after that performance, how could the Seattle Mariners ever hire him? And I smiled and I said, the Mariners would never hire him. It's the wrong sport. I meant the Seahawks. It's Monday. Hi, my name is David Sampson. All right, I'm good. Barely good, but good nonetheless. When you're hiring a coach and you've got a coach in mind or a manager, you're not looking at the result. That's like saying when you're working on a trade of a player right before a deadline and the player goes 0 for 4 or the pitcher gives up eight runs in two innings, you don't call up the team and say, ah, changed my mind. You are evaluating the ability of someone to coach or play for you based on their body of work and what they're going to do over a period of time, not because the Packers dropped a 48-burger. If Jody Allen is the type of owner, the type of non-football person who is swayed by the Cowboys' loss to the Packers, as a Seahawks fan, you're in trouble. So that was one game that I enjoyed. How's life doing for the Packers after Aaron Rodgers? How happy are you Packers fans? Can you just admit it, that you're thankful for Aaron Rodgers and what he did for you, but now you have faith in the fact that your team is run brilliantly? Aaron Rodgers may disagree. All of you may have disagreed when they drafted Jordan Love, just like you may have disagreed when they drafted Aaron Rodgers. When does an organization get the benefit of the fans' doubt? Is there ever a time when fans are no longer allowed to question what a team does because they're that good? I'm just asking because I believe there has to be a moment where you tip your cap to somebody who simply does a job better than you ever could. And I love all the armchair GMs out there and all the armchair team presidents and all the armchair players. I love the Monday morning quarterbacking that everyone does after the fact, when people who run teams have to do it in advance, not after the fact. But is there a time and have the Packers not earned that moment where you just look at them and say, hey, you wanna draft this guy, you win. You wanna draft that guy, you win. Jordan Love beating Dak Prescott 
I'm just throwing it out there. And this is from Coca. But still, it's great because I would have known it because I knew it after he told me. Jordan Love was among the top two in passer rating since week 12. Jordan Love threw for over 4,000 yards. Jordan Love had a huge, successful, great year. And this was his first year starting, not his first year in the league. Not a rookie quarterback, a first-time starter is what Jordan Love is. Love it. I just love it for all Packers fans. I was picturing Woody Johnson. I always like, as a former executive, one of the things I do is put myself in the seat of other executives, other presidents, other owners or GMs. Woody Johnson, and believe me, they watch. Don't let owners tell you, oh, I didn't see the game. Oh, I was on my yacht and con. I didn't watch that. Well, first of all, wrong season for that. But second of all, they do. Watching Jordan Love when you're the Jets. So happy. It's sort of like what Jimmy Haslam must have been thinking. Jimmy Haslam is the owner of the Cleveland Browns. He and his wife told you that signing Deshaun Watson only happened after they spoke to their daughter. And they all agreed, we're going to give him a shot because everyone deserves a chance. And we're going to give him $230 guaranteed million dollars, and then we're going to watch Joe Flacco be our quarterback. I could not have been rooting harder for the Cleveland Browns to win that game because for Joe Flacco to go on a run, it's sort of like Nick Foles winning and not Carson Wentz. For the Eagles, back when we were doing seven marathons in seven days, watching that marathon from Cartagena. I'll never forget that. That was January of 18 when the Eagles won that Super Bowl with Nick Foles and not Carson Wentz. So I wanted the Browns to win, and I'm watching C.J. Stroud, the quarterback of the Texans, I'm thinking, wow, David Tepper is watching this game thinking, God damn it, I'm an idiot. All my guys stink. C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. C.J. Stroud, of course, we're taking Bryce Young. I am demanding we trade up. How happy are Texans fans that Lovey Smith is Lovey Smith? Do you remember what Lovey Smith did when he won that last game before he got canned as the coach? And it caused the Texans to get the number two pick, not the number one pick. And then Bryce Young got chosen. Who knows? The Texans can say all they want. Oh, we were going to take Stroud no matter what. Who knows? Sometimes it just happens. C.J. Stroud, the way he played, if you are betting against him, against either, who would he play? Against either Kansas City or Baltimore, uh, then you're making a mistake. This guy's good. The Cleveland Browns have paid Deshaun Watson $91 million the last two years. $91 million. And he's played 12 games for him. 12 games. $91 million. I can't blame Deshaun Watson. I can't. If you have $230 million guaranteed money, why would you play? Why would you risk anything? All right, I got to get to this now, third game. I got to get to the Chiefs-Dolphins. I have to. All right, I got a few things to admit. It's not good. It's not good, but I'm going to admit it. This is a truth. And I never said it when I was president of the Marlins because I wasn't allowed to, and I wouldn't have. There's no team I rooted against harder than the Miami Dolphins. Ever. As a president of a team. All they did 
First, they were our landlord, and they were absolute nightmare landlords at Pro Player Stadium. First, Wayne Huizinga's people, then Stephen Ross's people. They just thought that their S didn't S. And believe me, it did. We were treated like fourth-class citizens. Stephen Ross pretending he wanted to buy the Marlins, making a joke of an offer when we were selling the team to Jeter or A-Rod. Just always want them to lose. Tired of Stephen Ross getting any credit as anything when he is the single least successful owner in the history of South Florida sports. And this is not sour grapes. This is, I don't care if you like me or like Jeffrey Loria or like Wayne Huizinga, whatever, or David Epstein. What has Stephen Ross done? Yes, he has done very well with his stadium. Way to go. So did I. They haven't won a playoff game since 2000. Now that the Detroit Lions have won a game, the Miami Dolphins have the longest streak without a playoff win in all of football. 32 teams, all the money they've spent. And now they've got cap problems and no path to win. Oh, but they've got the most brilliant coach. Let's bring him in. Let's rally around his quirkiness. We've got playmakers now. Oh, injuries. Half our defense was injured. Dolphins fans are notorious because it's such a Dolphins town, notorious for excuse making for their team. Hey, we were injured, just tough break, cold weather. Give me a break. It's all a bunch of horse hockey. Just acknowledge the fact that the franchise has failed you. And the only reason I'm saying it is because you're so quick to say that the Marlins franchise failed you. Am I bitter about that? Yeah, because we failed you with a ring. The Dolphins have failed you without a playoff win. Meanwhile, the new regime of the Marlins, they were in the playoffs in 20 and in 23. So you have a ring and two playoffs. I just don't know how people continue to excuse anything that goes on with the Dolphins. They went into Kansas City, hurt or not, and they got their ass kicked. There you go, another game, another, another episode. I don't, I don't think ass is a real swear, though. 26 to 7, the game should be postponed because it was cold, just like the Bills game. If you don't know the difference between cold and it's not safe for people to drive to a game because of an emergency stay in place order, then I think you need to take a look at your vocabulary. To go into Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs, it would have been something. They were four and a half point dogs and the Dolphins were never in the game. They were never competitive, ever. Now you're forced to look at that team and ask a question that I've been asking of you for, how long has it been, Coca? I, I had it written down, I think. Since March of 2023, it's almost a year ago, I gave you a wait to see that Tua would not get an extension from the Dolphins. Do you remember that? We haven't gotten a yes or no on that because they haven't decided. After yesterday's game or Saturday's game, whichever, where do you stand on that? If you're the Dolphins and you're Chris Greer, the GM, or Stephen Ross, the owner, you're looking at that game and saying, hmm, defensive injuries, that was it. Ah, Tua just isn't good in the cold. Is that it? Are you going to give him 
franchise altering money when you're already over the cap? Is he your guy? Now, I grant you it's hard to get a quarterback. But here's what I would do. Wait. There is no reason to extend Tua now, and I'm not going to extend Tua now. The Dolphins have a problem, and they have to decide, and it's too early for them to do it with this regime. They can't figure out yet, is it McDaniel, the coach? Is it Greer, the GM? Is it Tua, the quarterback? So if you are the owner of that team, you have to take your foot off the pedal. You have to evaluate and you have to spend next year evaluating. So I'm bringing, I'm running it back with the Dolphins as best I can with the cap issues. But I'm not committing to anything after that. Meanwhile, the Chiefs do not look like the Chiefs, but they're moving on. All right, last game, something that I noticed it's so important that I have credibility with you as this audience because you count on it. And I like gloating when I'm right. And I like admitting when I'm wrong because I'm human. I'm wrong. My opinions are not all, they don't all end up being correct. I get more information and then I change. I have a way to see that's outstanding about Dan Campbell when he was hired and he gave his infamous opening press conference about breaking kneecaps. And I told you that Dan Campbell will not last his entire six-year contract with the Lions. Well, I watched the Lions yesterday. I've been thinking about the Lions. The fact that they won the game, they shouldn't have won in that there was definitely pass interference on the final drive. The referees just missed it. That rookie's jersey, what was his name, Coca? That rookie's jersey was being pulled, the guy who had 181 yards receiving. Unbelievable, tough yards after catch. Puka, thank you. He was interfered with. And then the Rams are in field goal territory and they win 26-24. That said, I'm incredibly happy for Detroit, the city of Detroit. Love the fact that that 89-year-old fan, if you watch the game, who's been a season ticket holder for, what, 57 years? They hadn't won a playoff game in 30 years. It's the reason why the Dolphins are now despondent. I'm listening to the players after, and I've watched a bunch of the post-game pressers and a bunch of the post-game locker room talks with Dan Campbell, and I never was a buyer. I thought it was eyewash. But then I'm watching the game yesterday, and I'm watching the way they rally around him, the fact that they really would run through a brick wall for him, and I was wrong about Dan Campbell. What a great leader of men. Look out for the Lions. Now, Jared Goff, to me, is a worse quarterback than Matthew Stafford. I'd rather have Stafford than Goff. There's just something about Goff that when you get him flustered, you have a problem. And Stafford has all these different arm angles and his ability to complete passes is amazing. That said, Dan Campbell is a fantastic coach. So I may have been wrong about that. I'm going to say I was. We got two games today, three straight games, double headers. The only reason why we have a double header is the Bills game was postponed because of snow. They're playing it. You've seen everything on Twitter. If you haven't, go check out the videos. The Bills paying people 10 bucks to shovel snow makes me happy. 10 bucks an hour. There's so much snow in Buffalo. It's Buffalo, man. I love football in the snow. It wasn't safe yesterday. I was sort of hoping there'd be flurries today and they wouldn't be able to clear the stands so people would be sitting like a snowman watching the game. We do have Steelers Bills who are playing and it totally screwed up football. 
part of the arrangement football had is that they needed to announce Sunday night the divisional round because teams needed a chance to sell the game and they need a chance to plan for the game. You need a chance to travel. You got to make hotel reservations. The expectation was only the Eagles Buccaneers would be playing Monday night. And the thought was that that's a pretty easy one because the Eagles Buccaneers, they were going to go to Detroit if Detroit wins. So everything's great, except the Steelers have to play the Bills. So what does it mean? It means the NFL announced the divisional round last night. And all we know for sure is that the Texans are on the road somewhere the early game Saturday. Today's Monday. They don't know where they are playing. They won't know until 7.30 tonight. So once the Pittsburgh-Buffalo game ends, the Texans know whether they're going to Baltimore or Cincinnati. Therefore, they have no choice. The traveling secretary gets ready and they start their game plan because you can't start a game plan against two teams. There's just no, there's no bandwidth to do it. So what's interesting to me is whether or not they're choosing to prepare as though Buffalo wins and then just make up ground if Pittsburgh wins. That's how we would do it when we were scouting in the playoffs. In 03, we scouted what we thought would happen, and then if it didn't happen, we'd adjust on the fly. They got 20 bucks an hour? I'm sorry, my bad. The people got 20 bucks an hour to shovel. When I was a kid in New York, I don't know, those of you who grew up in New York City, when there were snowstorms in New York City, and it used to snow in New York City when I was young, and we'd have snow days, I would go on the streets with a shovel and there'd be people, what happens in New York is when they plow, they plow cars in. So cars get stuck behind a bank of snow. And my friends and I would go with shovels and we would get paid. People would pay us to shovel their cars out. And we'd get five bucks a car. And there'd be four of us or five of us and we'd each take a dollar. And it would be like candy money or baseball card money. And we would spend snow days outside shoveling cars out for extra money to buy stuff that our parents, who all could afford it, wouldn't do. Teaching us work ethic. Come on. I guess it worked. Here we are, 826 on a Monday morning when everyone else is sleeping. But not my audience, not you, Coca. So the Bills had to postpone their game because the governor, I wonder how Roger Goodell felt about this. Did you read that? Governor Kathy Hochul from the Buffalo area came out and said there will be no game. NFL hadn't even postponed it yet. That does not make people happy. Rob Manford, Roger Goodell, Adam Silver. Politicians should not get ahead of them. They like being in the know and then they like announcing it. Governor came out and said, we are in a state of emergency. There will be no game. She said, I called Roger Goodell myself. That's funny. Roger Goodell, what is he sitting there? Hey, can I get Roger Goodell's cell phone number? Hey, Roger, it's Kathy. Hello, Governor, what can I help you with? Hey, we're not gonna let you play tomorrow. Wait, what? All right, hold on, I gotta call my league operations people. When a game is postponed, a lot has to happen. A lot with the operation of the actual game, so the in-game people at Orchard Park, a lot with the travel, the Steelers ended up traveling on a totally different day. Hotels, everything changes. Hotels for Buffalo change. They spend the night in a hotel at their own home. They don't spend the night at home the night before a home game. They go to a hotel. I always thought that was weird. We would never have asked our baseball players ever to stay in a hotel at home the night before a big game. Weird.
I mean, granted, we'd ask our players not to get distracted, don't go out, but they're grown men. We don't need them to stay at a hotel in Miami. <sighs> All right, let's talk about, oh, we got a break. Coco, we're, okay, let's take a break. We come back, I have a great movie to review that may win an Oscar. I'm a little tired because I was watching the Critics' Choice Awards last night. Adnan Verk invited me to watch the Critics' Choice Award from my house. I thought that was an amazing invitation. I want to personally thank him so much. And the good news is that every time you saw him tweet photos of him with a celebrity, he had texted me those photos first, trying to give me more schadenfreude. The Critics' Choice Awards were last night. It is awards season. We are eight days away from Oscar nominations. And I'm going to review a movie called American Symphony when we come back. Then we're going to talk about something that happened in Chicago that got my attention this weekend. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It is Monday, January 15th. We just reviewed Wild Card Weekend because we're doing a show today. Why wouldn't we? I did watch a movie every day. I watched American Symphony this past week. And American Symphony is a documentary about John Baptiste and his wife, Sulaka. I have a few mea culpas about this. I was not aware of who John Baptiste was. It makes me sad that my, not sad, it is what it is. My musical taste stopped in 1999. That was it. What did I get wrong? Suleika, excuse me. God damn it. All right, start it again then. I don't want to get her name wrong. 4869. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson with you on a Monday. We're working today. I do watch a movie every day. I watched American Symphony, a documentary about a singer named John Baptiste and his wife named Suleika. Suleika, in her own right, is a musician, an accomplished writer. I had never heard of either, 
and I was a little embarrassed during the course of it. I didn't realize he was on the Stephen Colbert show as the head of the band. On top of that, I didn't realize that he was a top Grammy winner. I acknowledge that my musical taste ended in the late 90s. It is what it is. Hold me now. Scritty Politti, but no John Baptiste. <laughs> That's terrible. So this documentary is about a man, John Baptiste, who's taking care of a wife who's sick and all of the things he has to do as being a Grammy award-winning singer writer, composer, and he's composing this symphony. He does this sort of pop and classical and, and jazz. He does everything, and he wanted to incorporate all of it into one actual symphony called American Symphony. The movie is about the writing of this symphony and what it's like just in his life. And you'd think it'd be like a E! True Hollywood story following Philip Seymour Hoffman around, because that's sort of what it, it purports to be except you can't turn away and not in a bad way because it's fascinating to watch brilliance at work. American Symphony is a favorite to be both nominated and potentially win best documentary feature at the Oscars. This is not your average run of the mill. Let's bring a camera along and just see what happens. This is a story about love, about talent, about perseverance about intellect, about humor, about faith, about fashion. American Symphony. It felt like I was watching life being conducted. That's what I was thinking during this movie, that John Baptiste had his hand and he was conducting and I was drawn in. Please watch it. American Symphony. All right. I booed Jerry Krause and heckled Jerry Krause just about as badly as anyone ever has done, ever. Jerry Krause used to sit two rows in front of me at Nick Games. His entire career of the Bulls and Jordan beating the Knicks year after year, except when Jordan was forced to retire for those two years. I was a kid but not really. In 1990, I was 22 years old. So I look now, I was, you know, CJ Stroud's age. And I'm sitting at games and I'm talking about, I was the type of Nick fan who had a stretch before games. I wore a uniform to games. I had a Nick shirt. I had a Nick towel that I got from the bench an actual NBA Nick towel that I still have that I would bring because I would sweat like Jerry Tarkanian and I'd have the towel over me. I was a staple at Nick Games because I was lucky, privileged, and boy, am I thankful. Jerry Krause and Jerry Reinsdorf were my two greatest nemesis because I was jealous of them because all they did was win and all they did was break my heart. You've heard my Jerry Reinsdorf story of how he recognized me when I walked into my first owner's meeting in December of 2000. And he said, my God, you're that little kid from Nick Games. That's how known I was. You almost killed my GM, Jerry Krause. The Chicago Bulls honored the 72 and 10, 1995, 1996 
team, inducting all of them into their ring of honor. Pretty cool, except Jordan and Pippen didn't show up. How do you do something honoring Jordan's teams in Chicago and you can't get Jordan to come? It's shameful. It's embarrassing for the Bulls and for Jordan. The fact that Pippen's son, Pippen's ex-wife is going to marry Jordan's son. By the way, who has sex five times a night? And what counts as sex five times a night? Because give me a break. And then Larsa Pippen says, hey, Scotty did it four times every night. But Marcus Jordan does it five. Absolutely ridiculous. Anyway. So Pippen doesn't show up. Jordan doesn't show up because they don't like each other because there was this show called The Last Dance where now the world knows that Jordan and Pippen didn't get along, whereas people in sports and fans knew from the beginning they were not getting along while they were playing. No one was happier that Jordan got put out of the game for two years than Pippen. He was ecstatic. Don't you remember when Pippen got to lead that team and then he wouldn't go in to a play against the Knicks? He called himself out of the game. Anyway, so they're honoring the team. I mean, I like Luke Longley and Ron Harper, don't get me wrong. But no Jordan, no Pippen is a problem. Rodman travel issues, give me a break. They're announcing everything. They announced the name of the GM, Jerry Krause. Now, Jerry Krause was a divisive figure back then. The reason he was divisive, Forgive me for those watching. I'm still sick, but I'm playing sick. The reason Jerry Krause was divisive is that he was not a made-for-television personality. Small man like my size, sort of a portly man, grumpy. He had a resting face that made it seem like he was angry. And he had to make decisions running a team that players had to be cycled through. He had to make decisions as a GM that certain players would not get extension, certain players would get traded, certain players would get paid less. He was a hardline guy who, by the way, was the GM of six NBA championship teams. Not one, not five, six. That's one for the thumb, folks. And you can criticize Reinsdorf, you can criticize Krause, you can criticize Jackson, criticize anyone you want. Six rings is the end of the conversation. But people who weren't alive in the 90s, who, oh, it's LeBron James, it's not Michael Jordan, or people who are too young to remember, all they know of Jerry Krause is the way he was portrayed in Last Dance. And the way he was portrayed in Last Dance is accurate. That's who Jerry Krause was. However, I could very well see people not aware of who the GM of the Knicks was in 70 or 73 when he is announced... Like Dave, that's like Nick fans booing Dave DeBusher because he was a crappy executive when they're honoring the 73 championship team. It's absurd. Jerry Krause introduced to the crowd to be inducted into the ring of honor is booed. But here's the thing, Jerry Krause is dead. His wife was there representing him and Chicago fans booed his wife. Pathetic. 
I've been jealous and I hate Chicago fans from the beginning, jealous of them always. Explain that to me, please. Well, it's only some people, it wasn't everybody. I don't care that it was two people. I wanna understand what it is, and this is when the 18 year president of me comes out and he's bitter. What is it you want as a Bulls fan? Oh, I want something since the six championships. We've had nothing. That was 20 years ago. Get over it. They're terrible. Fine. He's not the GM anymore. Jerry Krause got you six championships. Oh, it was Jerry Reinsdorf? Fine. It was Michael Jordan? Fine. You cheer the security guards from that era. What more is it? And if you're a young fan and you are booing the current Jerry Reinsdorf-led White Sox and Bulls because they're not winning, that's fine. Why aren't you booing everybody then? You choose Jerry Krause's widow to be the person you boo? What's wrong with you? It's never good, David. President of a team, you can't call out your fans. They're your customers, not the president anymore. This is my show with Coca. I'm calling it out. A bunch of players came out like that, calling it shameful, embarrassing, and it was. But I ask you as an executive, what? What does it take? You gotta win every year? Here's a newsflash, you can't win every year. It can be decades, six titles, six. The Knicks haven't won one since 73. You made the widow cry. I would heckle Jerry Krause mercilessly, mercilessly, booing the players, yelling at the referees, commenting on his picks, on his shooting guards. Never personal, never on the way he looked or the way he sounded or the way he acted, just on his moves as GM. But then the game would end, we'd lose of course, and I would tip my hat and leave and get ready to fight another day as a fan. Booing him and I was a Nick guy. 20 years later with his wife and widow, forget the fact that it were a Knicks GM. Would I boo Isaiah Thomas? That's what I was thinking about. If Isaiah Thomas came back and was honored by the Knicks. And I would boo him and here's why. He didn't do anything. Nothing. I mean, he got sued a couple times for sexual harassment, but other than that, nothing. Jerry Krause did it all. How did the Bulls not make a statement condemning their fans? Where were you, Reinsdorf? Did I miss it? If I did, I'll correct myself tomorrow. Where was the statement from Reinsdorf specifically telling his fans that they are wrong? Shameful. Nothing personal pick of the day. We started this season 0-4. We are now 8-5. We've won eight of our last nine. This weekend, we went 3-1, and one, and we got absolutely, you know, what goes around comes around. One of our wins, you know, we do, when I give you a pick of the day, put the bet in now. That's what we're doing. Lines move, lines move. Sometimes it helps, sometimes it hurts. We got help with that Pacers win. We got hurt with the heat win. 
We had the Heat three and a half over the Magic on Friday night. The Heat only won by three, except the line ended up at one and a half. But whatever, that's a loss. We did have the Texans plus two against the Browns. We got that one. We had the Chiefs Dolphins under 43. We got that one. And last night we had the Rams plus three versus the Lions. Got that one. We are eight and five. Coca, I gotta announce units. We've won eight units. That's 72, and we've lost 50. We're up over two units, I think, Coca. That's my guess without looking at the document that's available on davidsampsonpodcast.com. Please. Uh, one of you sent me the funniest picture, Coca, of a horse hockey hoodie. One of you's in a horse hockey hoodie, and it the picture made me laugh hysterically. But yes, those hoodies can be used for anything you want. davidsampsonpodcast.com. Go check out what merch we have. And you can follow our movies, what we review. You can follow our words of the day. You can follow what our picks of the day are. Nothing personal pick of the day. And if you are enjoying what we do, then let's keep going. Let's do picks. We got a double header today. We're going to do a money line parlay because I'm feeling a little chippy. Bills over the Steelers, Eagles on the road over the Buccaneers. Now, we're getting plus money on that because the Eagles are on the road and they absolutely stink. But Bills-Eagles parlay money line. Then the Bills and Steelers. Bills-Steelers over 38 and a half. We're taking that as well. Even though the snow is bad. I mean, it's 38 and a half. And even though the defenses are good, we're going over. So Jerry Reinsdorf did not make a statement. Michael Reinsdorf is his son. Coca's giving this to me in real time. I want to get to this now. Michael Reinsdorf is going to continue to run the Bulls. He had the following statement. Jerry Krause is a six-time NBA champion and two-time NBA executive of the year. He was inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame for his accomplishments and is an important part of our history. His legacy deserves to be celebrated and respected. We were incredibly honored to have Thelma with us this evening to recognize Jerry as a member of the inaugural Chicago Bulls Ring of Honor. Where's the rest of the statement, Coca? Where's the rest? That can't be it, obviously. Did you copy and paste it all? You did? That That's definitely not it. Can you imagine that? It's pathetic. Why can't we say when people are wrong. Are people so sensitive? That entire statement, it's all true about Jerry Krause's resume. Why are you releasing that statement? Were you honored that Luke Longley was there? Why not address what actually happened and say that it is wrong? God forbid, everyone's too sensitive. It was left up to their color commentator, Stacey King, the coach of the Warriors, Steve Kerr, came out and talked about how shameful and wrong it was. How about the owners of the team? I guess they're looking at their finances. They're looking at their books. Don't want to upset the paying customers because you know it's just business. Well, I'll tell you one thing. That Ring of Honor ceremony, it felt pretty darn personal to me.